Telecast, the TV industry news review. What's in store for attendees at September's New Europe Market? One of the first TV industry market events to return post-COVID. And what are the latest key executive moves in the global content business? On this week's show, I'm chatting with Sanja Borcic-Lubicic, CEO of Pickbox TV and Media Vision, producers of New Europe Market, the forthcoming Dubrovnik event. And Richard Middleton, editor of Television Business International. It's all coming up on this week's Telecast. My first guest on this week's show heads up New Europe Market, the most important annual event in the Central and Eastern European TV industry calendar. Welcome to Telecast, Sanja Borcic-Lubicic. Thank you for inviting me. Not at all. Great to have you on the show, Sanja. We're only a few weeks now until New Europe Market, or NEM as it's known, in Dubrovnik. How are things shaping up for one of the first real-life TV market since the pandemic struck? Yeah, well, we're still a bit scared. Although everything is sold out, people really do want to meet in person, finally. So everybody's coming. I thought it was going to be me and my 20 closest <laughs> friends, but <laughs> no such luck. Everybody's coming. Everybody wants to come because in the end, it is Dubrovnik, so... It's the best possible that can be in the world. So I hope everything is going to be okay. We're certainly uh, giving our best, as we always are, because we are in the sea region and we have to do more and do better than anybody else in the world because we're somehow, you know, forgotten. (laughs) But since we do have Dubrovnik, it's a different story. Obviously, the event is focused on the Central and Eastern European region. It's the only major event that really does so. I've never been to NEM. This is the first time I'm going to be coming along. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with it. But for those who aren't, can you give us a bit of background on the history of New Europe Market and you know how it came to, to come together? Sure. Since I'm all uh, my life been in the media, um, I went to a lot of uh, markets. Uh, I went twice to Cannes in April and in October. And I thought, oh my God, we have Dubrovnik. Nobody else has that. So why don't I try and make it work there? Um, Nobody... um, from this region thought it could be possible, but it was a success from year one, which was 2013. It was a huge, huge success. And from being focused on the CE, we became focused on the world. I remember that at 2019, we had a television from Jamaica and I thought, oh my God, what are these guys doing here? And then the first thought that comes to my mind is we're all global nowadays. So if you're in Jamaica or South Korea or North Korea, for that matter, it makes no difference. You're just with the people you want to hang with and you can always learn from each other. And 
develop in ways that you might not think were possible before. You're right. It is a global industry now, isn't it? Very much a global industry. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm constantly yeah. surprised when you see content coming from Turkey, for example, doing really, really well in Latin America. And I'm sure there are lots of other you know, import and export arrangements of types of content that I'm not even aware of. You're right. Yeah, uh, it's a global industry now. And, and you're finding that you've got more and more international delegates coming from outside the Central and Eastern European region? Well, we've had them from year one because uh, the channels are mainly in the UK. The streamers are mainly in the US or were at that time. And we, we've had them all. We also, since we uh, own two other companies, one is Media Translations, that subtitles, the other is Big Box, which is an SVOD, and Big Box buys a great deal of content from everybody. So we have a nice cooperation with CBS. They always uh, send talent and wonderful people to them. So, and they're based in the US. So um, if we talk about them, I can no longer in my right mind say it's just for the CE. It started for the CE, it became global. It, it's not as huge as MIP in Cannes because we still, they still uh, have us for at least 60 years because they're 63 years now. We're, we're not. But uh, as I said, we're smart enough and committed enough to uh, do a great, great market, a great media event. Tell us a little bit about who attends. You've said, you know, the, there are lots of international delegates coming. Can you give an idea of numbers, numbers of people that come and, and what sort of individuals come along? Presumably, it's mainly buyers and sellers. No, presumably. Don't presume anything when it comes to me. <laughs> but... <laughs> The event uh, consists of, let's say, two main points. One is panels, and we pride ourselves in the panels we create, not only with amazing people, but also topics that are at a world level. So you cannot say we talk about the CE. We talked. We talk about streaming. We talk about old content versus new, which is best. We talk a lot about free to airs. So we do have CEOs of free to airs. We have channels. We have platforms. You have uh, the Deutsche Telekom that is usually. Here and, uh, well, here, not here. We're based in Zagreb, but in Dubrovnik. Um, A1. So all sides of media are covered at NEM. And when I say all sides, it includes from talent to CEOs of huge companies. Uh, we had Comcast, that, and it was an amazing year. Um and Deutsche Telekom. So I think when you have those two, 
I think that you've basically covered the telco side of the operations, but with Comcast, you've also covered the NBC and Sky and all that they um, carry with them. So we have high-level executives, which are most of our guests. Then you have everybody else, but literally everybody else. It is not, I'm telling you, as huge as MIP. We don't have like 10,000 people, but we do have 1,000 to 1,500, which is, for us, huge. No, well, it's it's certainly a substantial size event, and it looks fantastic, I have to say, on the, your uh, your website, which will uh, will incorporate a link into the episode description on the podcast, so everybody can go and uh, and take a look. But after so long without having physical markets, have you found that the demand to get together physically for uh, the industry have you found that? Tickets have sold quicker this year. Do you think there's a lot of anticipation about being able to get together in person? Oh, yes. We had no problem. When I say problem, I was even, because I'm never politically correct, unfortunately, but I was even saying when people told me, you'll have to tell somebody, and I was like, no. I'm not telling anybody anything after eight years. I'm not. If they want to come, they'll come. I'm not going to urge anybody to to come. What happened was it's it's sold out. Everything is sold out. You can't buy a ticket to, to NEM Dubrovnik right now. Well, t- tickets you can always buy because tickets are uh, a thing of numbers. What is sold out is the, um, well, it's easier. We're usually in a hotel and the hotel is for me, the best one, at least for our needs. It's the palace in Dubrovnik. If you want to sleep there, now you cannot anymore because everything is sold out. If you want to sponsor anything, you cannot because all the sponsorships are gone. So in terms of buying tickets, there's no problem there. People can always buy tickets and that's never closed. But in terms of rooms, in terms of sponsorships, or in terms of even smaller events, it's not possible anymore. Oh, well, that gives us a real feeling of, you know, of how keen people are to come together. They're very keen, exactly. Obviously, this is the first NEM Dubrovnik since 2019 how did you cope in 2020 without a physical event because obviously we've we've spoken to lots of different key markets and the producers of key markets over the last uh, 18 months or so of telecast and you know and everybody had to go virtual to keep their brands alive and keep people engaged and keep people connected in some way how did that work for you last year well, uh, it, it, it wasn't the same, obviously, but we created something we call the NEM Network. So we worked there. We did the same things we would do if not being virtual, if being there at the event. But it's definitely not the same. We liked it. Everybody liked it. Uh, it was like, you know, if I cannot have what is the best, 
I'm going to have the second best, which for us was the MEM network. But it's really not the same. Everybody is fed up with the Zooming, with the uh, Teams, with Slacks, and with uh, all of the, where, where we all look like people in the Muppet show, you know, <laughs> where, like, yeah, well, it's seven or eight people there. It's a Muppet show. And then nobody says anything. Nobody's listened to anything because they're at the same time looking at their cell phones and answering to mails to, you know, it's, it's just not it. We're people. We're not, you know, robots, although some people would like us to be, but we're not. So uh, a friend of mine who uh, works at Nova TV here in Croatia asked me, are people going to be hugging at NEM or kissing at NEM this year? And I'm like, I don't know, because everybody is vaccinated. All of the media, as I know it, they're vaccinated. Uh, they do have the COVID passports. We have the testing in place. So, um, and this man is going to be different in the perspective of we had always a panel room, which was very nice, closed, and people went in and listened to what they wanted to listen to. This year, it's going. To, everything is going to be in the open. Even the panel room is going to be half open because of COVID. COVID uh, is something that is awful, that hit us all, and we just have to learn to live with that. So what we're going to do at this NEM is we're going to have all the screenings in the open. Right. So all, all the panels are going to be in the panel room, but half open with the air conditioning working because the air conditioning is very much needed nowadays. We're all uh, seeing high temperatures and Dubrovnik especially. And, but everything is going to be half open. If not half open, then in the open. So we have to adjust. But if you can adjust, that's, I think, for all our benefit. We need to somehow... We first need to get vaccinated, all of us. Uh, I heard some people calling the vaccination experimental, which I think is really crazy. Everything is experimental in all of our lives. So uh, we should uh, listen to the guys that know more, more than us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, so, so just in terms of the COVID protocols, then, so yeah. everybody that's attending, they need to be double vaccinated. Is that right? Yes, they need to have the COVID passport, or they need to do the test there. If they don't have the COVID passport, we'll arrange for the COVID tests. They'll be tested. If they're not positive, let's say it that way then they can enter the the event that's right. it okay and most of it is in the open as you say so it's it's, it's almost like an open air market it is it is we we it was a, a challenge but we managed to do it 
Very good. And how about for international travellers? I mean, I guess it differs with different countries and it's all quite complicated now. But I've been checking on the UK government website and looking into what you need to do to come into Croatia. And for for what I can see, you need a lateral flow test, I think, within 48 hours of flying. Exactly. So you need to do that. And Croatia is also on the green list. Is that right? Into into the UK now? Yes, it's it's right. Um, we have in place every possible measure that humans thought about, which is a bit frustrating. But on the other side, we're all thankful for the measures because it means that we, well, I personally am old first, second, sick. So I'm always on the priority lists Mm. to be vaccinated and checked and whatnot. But um, I think that the minimum the human race can do is to abide by the measures that some smart people hopefully have put in place. So and what about mask wearing? I suppose that you don't need to wear masks as it's going to be most of it outside, right? Yes, exactly. So uh, I know that all the personnel in the hotel were vaccinated. They're still wearing masks. But uh, as you said, it's all in the open. So I'm not sure that we would need the masks. If some people are sitting in a more closed area, they should probably wear it. I don't know. With all the precautions that we're taking, I don't think that masks will be a a factor in the event. Certainly in the UK, and I know the UK has been ahead of the curve to a certain extent when it comes to the vaccination program. I mean, now major events are fully open. The Premier League is coming back in in August. Oh, my God. I think we're about 80% of adults are now doubly vaccinated. So now, you know, mask wearing is becoming more of a a personal choice, a personal responsibility, exactly. as opposed to a government mandate. That approach is, seems to be rolling out in different countries are, around the world. Exactly. So tell us about the agenda for New Europe Market this year. What can we expect? What are the highlights? And, and why should people attend? Well, sports is one of the highlights. I think that we're going to have a very interesting sports panel with the zone coming And uh, I think that we have a keynote from the Zon also, uh, for which I'm very grateful because in the area that we live in, um, a lot of changes have been made in sports. I think a fresh eye and such a huge company uh, is going to put a new perspective on uh, what we need and want to do here in this region regarding sports. So this is something I'm certainly going to watch. Uh, That was uh, my idea and that was my wish to have that panel. So on that panel, you'll have the Creation Telecom, which is a part of Deutsche Telekom, but also A1. Uh, which is a one, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and um, it's going to be, I think, very interesting to see 
different thoughts on premiership and I don't know sports, but I know that it's a huge fuss about it. And not only, I know that Sky uh, Italy lost something to the zone, I think. Yeah, there's there's a lots of disruption happening in the rights market for sports at the moment, right across Europe. And new streamers and new players that are coming into the market, like DAZN, are, are really interesting. So I saw a, a keynote from DAZN probably about five or six years ago, but I haven't seen uh, seen anybody speak from that organization since then. That's going to be interesting. So when can we expect the full agenda to be published then in terms of all the panels? Uh, soon. That's all I can tell you. Uh, the, the man that was co- that is coming from the zone is Peter Parmenter. Yeah, and he is a business development. So I expect him to tell somebody what they're going to do next. <laughs> I expect, and then a panel that is really dear to my heart is um, mostly the free tours from the sea region that will talk about global platforms, believe it or not, uh, old content versus new, which is always the question that we all ask ourselves. Do we use on the platforms an amazing new content that you need to show to people in a different way and spend a lot in marketing? Or do you use a well-known show that everybody loves and has seen? So this is going to be also very good. But the the agenda is coming out soon. You'll have it. You touched on a couple of your other companies, Sanya, earlier on. One is Media Translations, Mm. and the other is Pickbox. Now, Pickbox is an SVOD, so you own and, and operate an SVOD yourself for yeah. the Balkan regions. Tell us a bit about that. It's an amazing platform. And we're very well distributed throughout the region. We are now on 16 platforms in the Balkan region and Bul- Bulgaria. We have great content. We know what people like to watch here. It's doing well. We also have a linear channel called Big Box TV, which is, if I may brag a little, it's the best watched channel of the so-called others. So, you know, you have the free-to-airs and you have all the channels called the others. So we're usually the first and best watched among all those channels. So we must be doing something right. It is very hard. It's not uh, something that the Balkan region is used to, the SVODs, I mean. The channels, yes, but the SVODs, no. Out of all the channels, I think we have all of them. But SVODs, we have Netflix, obviously. We have HBO Go, well, HBO Max coming, and Big Box, and that's it. No Disney. No. You don't don't go there. All right. Don't go okay. there. So All right. no Disney. Because the Balkan region is not very interesting to the global streamers. 
Uh, Netflix uh, maybe is the most watched because they're also doing subtitling, which is if you want people to watch you, subtitling is something you need. Uh, so Big Box in a very small territory of 28 million people, subtitles in five languages. And that is unimaginable to any global streamer because uh, in Serbia, they're not going to watch Croatian subtitling and vice versa. And it happened 30 years ago. What can you say? It is as it is. There are obviously divisions in the Balkan regions, but when it comes to TV and SVODs, you need to treat these as as four or five different markets now and pay attention to the different country protocols, if you like. Yeah. Of course, because uh, in the Balkans now you have six different states for 30 years. So it's normal that every one of those states has their own language, their own thingies by which they go. And uh, Bulgaria is the fifth for us. And we're lucky to have media translations uh, because we just uh, do it in an easier way. Uh, But Amazon is not coming that soon. Uh, Disney Plus, I don't know when. I think they're a bit late because they have a lot. They have more than 90 plus years of content. So they'll probably need a lot for subtitling, but they still have uh, some bigger territories to come to and to do the subtitling slash dubbing, whatever they do. Uh, The Balkans is somehow always the last. Yeah. But as you say, 28 million people, it's still a a relatively sizable market. So tell us about Pickbox in terms of the content that you feature. Who's your target market? Is it very wide family audiences or are you looking at younger or older demographics? And what sort of content will you be looking for at NEM Dubrovnik? We work with literally everybody. Are lucky to, um, as I said, I'm old. So I know a lot of people and we do know uh, all of the content providers and consider them friends, friends, not only in business, but in life also. And uh, uh, what we do with Pickbox is we try to incorporate as many UK uh, content as we can, because um, Yugoslavia and later on Croatia, uh, especially Croatia, was known for its love and knowledge of the UK market. So we know Fools and Horses, we know Prime Suspect, we know all the shows that you need to know. So we have most of those. We love the UK content and the talks of the European Commission, uh, they want to exclude UK as a European content. I don't know how they called it, but that means that we probably have to exclude from Europe 
uh, Norway, that we have to exclude Turkey, that we have to exclude Serbia, that we have to exclude a lot of countries that have content and are on the European territory. So uh, we're all against it. We have a lot of Scandi shows. So I don't see the European Commission saying, oh, you have a Norwegian show. It's not European content. So you cannot use it when presenting the percentage of European content on your platform. So I'm not happy with that. Nobody is. We do have a coalition uh, that consists of Netflix, Sky, Discovery, um, some German platforms, but these are the, let's say, biggest players. Big Box is also there. And we just recently discussed it, and we think that if uh, a territory is a European territory, then its content should definitely be and count for on uh, the platforms that we use. Yeah, that's the European Content Directive. And we, we spoke about that on a couple of recent shows. And the UK is Europe's biggest producer of film and TV programming. So it, it's obviously a, a big issue that's that's yet to be resolved. So tell us about the market in Croatia right now, Sanyas. So the country has had a terrible time in the last few months with the pandemic and, and also the uh, the earthquake at the end of December as well was something that made international news. Is Croatia starting to bounce back a little bit now? Well, it's better. Although we didn't have just the earthquake in December, we had the first one on March 22nd. And it was in Zagreb. It was a huge one. It was 5.5, which is really huge. I'm still afraid of that one. Uh, It was last year, I think, March 22nd. And then we had one on December 29, which was also a big one. That was a Petrinia, right? Petrinia. Yes, Petrinia. Yes, yes. Big Box did a, a, a nice little campaign during the first lockdown in March. Uh, we called it Save the World from Your Couch. We gave it all for free. It was a strange time. We just said, we don't care. Just watch, enjoy, and keep mentally healthy. That was the thing we wanted to achieve with this campaign. We didn't want, you know, there was nothing standing behind it. Like we didn't want to gain uh, viewership. We didn't want to, nobody was thinking about that at that time. It was just, we all have to give what we have. And what we had was big books. So we made it free for all of the countries, for everybody to watch and it was a nice gesture. I think that the newspapers said that it was probably the best campaign did done at that time. And, uh, but we didn't do it for that. We didn't want to be first or most watched or anything. We just wanted to give what we had. And I personally think it was a huge success. I liked it. I liked the way people responded to it. 
And uh, yeah, it was good. It shows you how people come together in in face of adversity and but we all unfortunately quickly forget. I think that's a, a really interesting campaign because obviously we saw SVOD and AVOD, but all viewing figures go through the roof, right, in the pandemic. And obviously we've seen the likes of Disney Plus pivoting to, you know, just in time and, and bagging a lot of subscriptions around the world, as did Netflix, as did all subscription services. So it's a, an interesting approach to actually say, well, you know what, you know, it's free. So I'm sure that will hopefully benefit you in the longer term as well. Now, very nice gesture. I don't know. In all sincerity, uh, there wasn't one thought that was behind it. It was just, let's give yeah. them. Let's give them what we have. Not much, but at least they can watch it from the couch and save the world, not go out. Yeah. Sanya, New Europe market, when's it happening and where's it happening? Okay, it's happening from the 6th till the 9th of September of 2021 in Dubrovnik. I hope to see you all there. I'm a little bit afraid, but still, I hope to see you all there. Don't hug me. Don't kiss me. I love you. But very nice to see you all. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sure that everybody feels the same way. As you've uh, you've had such a strong response, then I'm sure people are, are really keen to see you in person again soon. Sanya, thank you so much for your time. It's lovely to speak to you. And thank you. And I will see you myself in the beginning of September. I look forward to it. Oh, my God. I promise not to hug you. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for coming on Telecast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. And now it's time for another Movers and Shakers, our regular feature that takes a look at the recent key executive moves in the international TV industry with TBI editor Richard Middleton. Hi, Richard. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Justin. Lovely to uh, lovely to be here. How are things at TBI? Are you gearing up for a uh, busy end to the year? We are indeed. Yeah, we are. We're normally used to a bit of a, a semi-lull in July, but this year seems to have been quite different with all the pandemic-related uh, effects on the sort of normal rhythm of the industry. So yeah, we've got lots of lots of things on the go. We're back to uh, doing print magazines uh, with events sort of coming back online. Uh, we're doing yeah August September magazine, so we're deep into that one. We've got the MIPCOM bumper edition that's going to uh, hit the stands hopefully down in Cannes as well. So yeah, busy times uh, at TVI. Sounds like a lot of writing, a lot of interviewing, and a lot of deadlines. Indeed, yeah, that's pretty much it. But I mean, it is nice to sort of yeah get back to what looks hopefully next few months, fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, sort of going back to 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 events and and to to meeting people face to face and sort of engaging, perhaps over a drink or two as well. Um, it feels like we may be getting back to some sort of normality. Uh, I don't want to tempt fate and say anything too soon, but yeah, we're uh, we're hopeful, we're optimistic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the uh, real world events are coming back, and it's interesting what you're just saying about the cycle of the industry. I'm finding that as well in my business is that. You know, July is usually really quiet, but it seems there have been a bit of a knock-on effect, almost like, you know, three or four months has been pushed on from last year when we didn't do anything, and uh, we're busier than ever right now. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, we're definitely finding that there's there's not been the, the, the traditional sort of lull 
uh, it doesn't feel like it's happened at all. To be honest, there's, there's lots of development, there's lots of production of shows, perhaps that got delayed um, late last year. Uh, so we're seeing yeah huge huge changes, and I mean obviously the, the sort of more structural changes to the industry, the you know the launch of all the US studio streamers. I think that sort of that's having an impact as well. So we're seeing lots of activity, not just in Europe but North America. Lots of stuff going on in Asia as well. So yeah, fingers crossed. We've got a a busy uh, but productive uh, six months ahead of us. I'm going to be taking a break from telecast for a month for the month of August. I'm taking a bit of a a cue. F- from Jennifer, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago, talking about burnout. And I think getting a few weeks off, a time to recharge and refuel and get sharpened up for the end of the year. I think a lot of people are planning to take holidays for the first time as well. Last year was was a bit weird as well, wasn't it? The way that sort of people were, weren't really going anywhere. Everybody was still pretty much locked up and at home. But But it does feel that regular cycle is starting to coalesce and we're, we're back to to regular timelines yeah i think so yeah and i mean certainly in terms of sort of yeah last year was such a strange bizarre year that i think lots of people didn't really take any holiday everyone was working from home but everybody was working sort of the whole time maybe take a few days here and there so yeah well-being and, and looking after your sort of mental health definitely i think august is, is the time to do that and as you say yeah sharpen up for um yeah the rest of the year well before we do that though it's great to have you back on the show for Movers and Shakers talking about the recent TV industry executive moves that have been going on. And there's uh, there's been quite a few of them over at Netflix. An interesting few weeks over at Netflix. Um, I mean, obviously, we've seen the sort of yeah, the, the US studios have been restructuring left, right and centre over the last year. Uh, but Netflix has quietly been doing some restructuring of its own. And, and this week uh, brought a few new hires. So they've uh, snagged a couple of execs from ABC uh, over in the States. So hired uh, Director of Comedy Development, Amanda Barkley, um, as their Director of Original Comedy Series. So, you know, underlining Netflix's attempts to sort of, you know, hire, yeah, top-line um, execs and, and expanding that comedy uh, interest as well. So Barkley's taking over from uh, a chap called Robert Prince, who uh, is leaving the company. She's the first uh, major appointment um, since Tracy Pacosta. Uh, took hold of the comedy team. Uh, so it will be interesting to see what happens there. Um, in terms of Barkley, I mean, she's, yeah, she'd been with ABC. She was with ABC Signature, um, to be specific. She'd been there for about a year, worked on all sorts of shows, um, adopted Black Don't Crack and Home Economics, to name three. Uh, so, yeah, interesting appointment. I think it sort of speaks to yeah the, the interest you know that we're seeing from Netflix in in sort of really bumping up its exec numbers. Um, I mean they've also hired another exec, another ABC Studios exec, ABC Signature exec as well actually, Lisa Lang McMullen. She's going to be director of drama development over at Netflix. And again, I mean this is these are interesting appointments because Lang McMullen, for example, she'd been with the Disney owned studio for I think it was more than a decade. Started out in comedy, worked on shows such as The Neighbours and Gallivant. Um, and then since then, yeah, she's been on all sorts of, of you know top line shows. So we've seen Godfather of Harlem, Little Fires Everywhere, even Mighty Ducks, Game Changers of Disney Plus. Um, but it just underlines sort of, yeah, there's some you know execs that have been in, in fairly long-standing jobs uh, making moves now as all those repercussions of the US studio restructurings that we've, we've been talking about over the last year or so you know, come to fruition. Some people looking for new roles uh, in, in these new, these organisations. Well, ABC won't be very happy, will they, with Netflix 
pinching all their staff and probably paying them double. <laughs> no, well, I mean, the, yeah, the Netflix model is is an interesting one, isn't it? We uh, they get through a fair few staff over over Netflix, um, but it's obviously yeah, with their deep pockets, their huge reach, it's always a, an enticing place to go. Um, but I mean, it's not just it's not just even Netflix. We saw one of the big big recent moves um, was Warner Bros. Television. Um, they appointed ABC Entertainment exec Vicky Dummer to lead its current programming. Um, now, Dummer for stateside followers, uh, she's been around for um, many a year. She's uh, a veteran of, of the industry, really. She's becoming EVP and head of current programming um, at Warner Bros. TV, uh, reporting into Channing Dungy. Um, of course, Dungy uh, joined, Net, joined from Netflix last year to, re to replace uh, Peter Roth. Um, and Dungy and Dummer previously worked together at ABC. So, you know, there's always these uh, these relationships and, and uh, yeah, execs keen to hire people who they've worked with perhaps before and, and have knowledge of their, their expertise. Um, but Dummer, for example, yeah, she'd been at Warner Bros. TV for, I think it was quarter of a century. Um, and when you look at the shows she'd worked on, it's just, you know, it's literally every show that's come out of that studio um, for a quarter of a century. It's it's quite a lineup. So from American Crime to Blackish, Fresh Off the Boat, The Good Doctor, Modern Family, Scandal. Um, so she's a real, yeah, she's a, a proper heavyweight exec. Um, and again, I mean, it's it sort of points to, yeah, the way that some of these these, these studios are perhaps changing. You know, we've seen huge changes at Warner WarnerMedia. Um, WarnerMedia, obviously, in the midst of being sort of combined with discovery um so yeah it'll be an interesting i think we've, we've got plenty more sort of senior exec moves coming over the next few months or so as as all this restructuring actually you know filters down to people on the ground and they decide whether or not they want to stay with uh, their companies or not lots of headhunters busy on behalf of uh, abc then right now <laughs> indeed yeah Good time to be a headhunter, yeah. <laughs> what about uh, what about BBC? What about closer to home? Any news uh, around BBC or BBC Studios? Yeah, well, BBC Studios, of course. Um, so, I mean, everyone knows that they've been looking for their CEO for well, getting on, must be getting on for a year now. So they've had lots of people uh, reportedly turn down the role, uh, that top CEO role. So that was vacated by uh, Tim Davy, of course, when he moved across to uh the pair of the, the pubcaster so he's now over at the bbc um but bbc studios have found a a senior exec for their productions division so martha brass um who uh, she's taking yeah the, the top uh well the, the chief operating officer role um at BBC Studios Productions. So she reports into Ralph Lee, who is CEO there. Uh, and she's basically got oversight of all the commercial and business development opportunities and uh, activities there. Um, Brass, I mean, again, really well-known international exec. So she joins, she, she was at the Newen Group over in France, uh, which again has been making, you know, quite a lot of uh, investments and changes to its uh, setup over recent months but she was also perhaps better known um, as being CEO of international, operation, international operations at Endemol Shine Group um, so she left that in 2017 uh, but yeah senior exec uh, and I think hopefully BBC Studios is hoping that its productions is yeah, in good hands with uh, with Martha Brass as, as its uh, COO uh, we remain to uh, learn who will be taking that CEO role I mean, there's still names popping about, but uh, I think at this point it's probably it might end up being someone from within the organisation potentially. Um, but yeah, we shall see. We will keep our eyes peeled, keep looking to TBI for these uh, uh, executive announcements. Richard, thank you so much for coming on. I look forward to seeing you 
in real life. Obviously, you say you'll be at MIPCOM and maybe at, uh, at NEM as well. So uh, it'll be amazing. Well, it'll be just like old times back on the uh, on the circuit again. Absolutely. Yeah, it sounds good, Justin. Yeah, hopefully yeah, we should see you in Dubrovnik uh, with, yeah, maybe we can uh, cheers to a beer and, uh, yeah, it'd be lovely to actually uh, see you face to face again. that'd be nice. All right. Richard, <laughs> thanks so much. Good luck with TBI and uh, and see you in September. Pleasure. Take care. Cheers. Well, that's about it for this week's show. As always, thanks a lot for listening. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to Telecast and share it with friends and colleagues so you don't miss an episode. This week's show is the last in this season. Yeah, we're taking a short break after 69 episodes to recharge and reset for what looks like being a really busy last quarter of the year for the TV industry. But don't worry, we'll be back on Thursday 9th of September with more great guests, some big industry names, event reports and more and we'll be rolling out some new ideas for the show and revealing some of our plans outside of the podcast but in the meantime why not sign up for our free industry newsletter telecast plus it's packed with interesting tv industry stories of the week you might have missed downloadable reports and surveys and exclusive insight and opinion and it's all completely free just visit our website to sign up at telecast-podcast.com Don't forget, you can also follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Telecast was edited by Ian Chambers and recorded in London. So until September, have a great summer. And as always, stay safe.